We're here for season two of The Average. We are kicking it off with one of the most slept on best movies to come out in recent history. You can see it by the icon, so I'm not spoiling anything for you, but we're gonna talk about Morbius. was an idiot when I googled the worst movies of 2023 this showed up on the list but this movie is actually from 2022 yeah somebody did some things wrong there yeah so thanks google for making me look like an idiot um we're gonna dive into this Morbius actually came out in 2022 directed by Daniel Espinoza who you might know from such movies as Easy Money, Life, and Safe House. And it stars Jared Leto. I was surprised to see it's actually produced by Jared Leto. But let's get going. So we're going to start with the story category. And Hayden, you wanted to lead us off. Yeah, so uh, for the story category, uh, started out real strong, just giving this a one. Uh, the number <laughs> I'm sure you're going to hear a lot over the course of the next hour. Um, <laughs> you know... After finishing the film, I don't know if I could tell you exactly what the story was. Something about, you know, Morbius, Dr. Michael Morbius, sorry. Um, he's got some disease that makes his blood not blood right. And he makes fake blood, <laughs> but then also becomes a vampire, then needs real blood because the fake blood doesn't do it. And his best friend also has this disease and also becomes a vampire, but likes it. And then they fight about it, and that's the end. And <laughs> that, yeah, um, not the strongest story. Uh, I am getting, I've been tired of it, as I know a lot of people are. The whole villain is just a bad version of the good guy type thing. And I don't know if Morbius is really a good guy in this, um, but that story beat for me just hit real flat, did not go very far with it. Um, and just everything else about it was just very bleak and boring. Um, I felt the whole, you know, mystery disease, looking for a cure story has been done many a times, especially when it goes haywire. If we look at zombie films and stuff. So this just, just didn't do it for me, but I didn't have the heart to give it a zero. Jesus, I knew I was going to be arguing against both of you, but I didn't know I was going to be arguing <laughs> with both of you to this degree. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, with that being said, uh, I don't think the story is nearly as bad as Hayden is making it out to be. Um, I gave the story a three because I think it's a perfectly average story. There's nothing to write home about. It's nothing incredible, but certainly not thank as you. bad as it's being dumbed down. <laughs> thank you. Here. No, thank you for um, using a three correctly. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, so like, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, it is kind of a played out tale of the protagonist antagonist being just two sides of the same coin. But I think if you look at it more from a storytelling standpoint, you have two people dealing with, yeah, it's an unknown disease. The disease isn't the important part. You just know it's two sick people. One of them gets the disease like, oh, this is great. And then he quickly realizes, oh, this is a terrible, terrible idea. 
antithesis of it goes, oh, everything that I've ever missed out on my life is now at my fingertips. And what we see with Matt, with Milo or Matt Smith's character is you see a lost child who missed out on his entire life to this disease now have the capabilities of being anything he wants to be, but being subject to succumbing to the chaos that Jared Leto or Morbius was trying to hide from the world because he realized it was a mistake. I don't think there's anything wrong with that to say it's a one. That was that was a fair assessment. You brought out some of the character of Milo that I didn't really think about. Um, but real quick, I forgot to introduce who we have <laughs> like a fool. I clearly took November and December off. Hayden's back with us. If you were with us for the uh, 13 nights of Halloween, you will remember him. One of the original members, founding members of the average. And we have another original member with us tonight who has not been able to join us yet. So this is his first time. You just heard from Trent. Hello. So, Trent, was that all you had? Uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I'm sure you're going to disagree with me and then we'll have to go back to that even a further point in time. So... <laughs> All right. I gave the story a two. I I thought the story was okay. Um, I'm I'm with Hayden for the most part. This random disease. He's looking for a cure. This fake blood that like I wrote down in my notes. Fake blood? Question mark. It just seems so far fetched. But the it's far-fetched as people becoming vampires. Well, yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> what is it out in a movie about vampires? You That's know true. it's bad then. <laughs> That's the ridiculous part. It is for me. Um, <laughs> but, and he says, the way he drinks the fake blood anyways. Um, but the whole, like Hayden said, the whole villain being the opposite but the exact same we've seen that now with iron man one we've seen it with uh oh gosh iron man two iron man, <laughs> iron man two we saw it with hulk uh the incredible hulk we saw it with um ant like, man uh, ant man a lot of the original doctor strange Yes, I mean it's the Marvel formula. It's the Marvel formula. But you also got to remember, though, that there's only seven types of stories to tell. In this particular story, is just man versus self. At the end of the day, it it is, and it's told terribly. (laughs) 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 I'll give you that, and you can do that really well. And this movie did not. Most of my qualms with this are going to come to the script because I do think. It was an okay story. It was decent, but the script was. I'll, I'll get there when we get there. So that's all I'm going to say. The story was not super compelling for me. I remember Morbius from the animated Spider Man cartoons growing up. I've never really been that big of a fan of him to begin with. So I was kind of hoping this movie would give me something to latch onto in his story, and it didn't. It. I still don't care for Morbius at all. So jumping into character then. Yeah, so um, nothing really different here. It's another one. Um, (laughs) Now, I want to just state this beforehand. This was my first time watching it just earlier today. I have not been a Morbius hater from the get-go. I think Jared Leto is a very untalented actor. Um, Agreed. Great singing voice. Love it. 
uh, but his on-screen presence just does very little for me. So I'm not trying to come into this super biased, but I'm extremely biased, I guess. Um, anyways, characters thought that they were, again, just like the story, very boring, pretty one-dimensional characters. Um, really would have liked to see, and this will come more into the direction and portion of it all, but would have liked to see them give, uh, I don't know, give them something different to work with that just made the story, gave it a little bit more to bite into, but their characters just had no room for that. There was nothing to love about the relationship that Michael and Milo shared because we don't really get to see that relationship form. We get some flashbacks when they're young or when Michael's younger. Um, I'll be honest, I can't remember if Milo was in that much but not a lot to really establish their relationship. It should have been the first act of this movie was flashbacks about their childhood, mainly focusing on Michael, but introducing Milo and how he's a constant in his life and then showing them grow up and getting to the point where they have exhausted every single option they have that has brought Michael to this point. And then you've got a really deep character uh, or connection between these characters but there was nothing. It was just that was another guy that had the same disease as Michael, and it felt like they just took the same character and copy-pasted it. Um, what was her name? The female doctor, Bansworth or something like that. Martine. Martine. Um, Bancroft, that. Um, thought she was okay. I mean, she mainly seemed like she had to play a, a damsel in distress for half the movie, and the first half when she wasn't playing that, was not a super engaging character. It's like she was there to morally object to Michael. She existed love for the exposition. And yeah. <laughs> so it was like they just said, hey, we need a lady in here. So here we go. And I can't comment on any of these characters coming from the books or anything because I've never been a huge Spider-Man fan myself in terms of reading material. Um, so I never got drawn into Morbius as a character didn't watch the uh, animated Spider-Man show. So I never really got to see him there. So I'm came in fresh to this with no opinions on the characters. And from this alone did not give me a lot to want to go out and, you know, read more about them. So that's why I gave it a one. Well, I am yet again on the uh, opposite side of the coin here. Um, <laughs> and I think I just kind of looked at these characters deeper than what was presented to us, because I gave the characters a four um, of the cast. I think Tyrese Gibson was probably portrayed as a character the least, because uh, a scene that really stuck out for me that made no sense is when Morbius and uh, Simon Stroud threw hands in the lobby and Simon Stroud was just able to cast casually parry these supernatural attacks, which I don't know if that was just supposed to be um, like an emphasis of like his military time being shown off there that he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a capable fighter. It just can't seem kind of out of nowhere. But for me, I think the characters were a lot deeper than we kind of got to see portrayed there because as I was kind of watching this, yeah, we got very little of Milo and Morbius in their childhood and their connection that they share with each other. Um, but I think there's a lot more to glean from what we've seen 
that doesn't mean I don't want I didn't want more. The script definitely had more to flesh out. But with the characters, you had two people who had a fucking life altering disease, a life ruining disease, and they had two personalities that came from it. You had Morbius who gave devoted his entire life to correcting this disease. And then you had Milo on the back end who, even though he couldn't have a normal life, still managed to be like the benefactor to Morbius over all of these years. So while Milo is unable to have a normal life, he still managed to create a life for himself of always wanting more. And that's why he was able to get in debt with these Russians. That's why he was able to fund Morbius and you get would have to imagine an ungodly expensive procedures to try to kind of envelop this cure that they've been searching for all of these years. And with such a small cast, really, at the end of the day, I don't th- think Martine was that bad. I think, yeah, she did kind of get overplayed as the damsel in distress. But also, again, in context, what more is she supposed to do in the situations that she's finding herself in? Like, she's a mortal woman fighting vampires. Like, she's going to be pretty limited on what she's capable of doing, Um so don't put her in the story. <laughs> if her character exists simply to exist, then the character serves no purpose to the overall narrative. And again, oh. I don't disagree with that. And we'll get back to more into that with the script later. But yeah, I think the she disappears two thirds through. That's true. But I think the characters are a lot deeper than a one would portray as a uh, ruling measurement. And while I was looking over, I was like, maybe a four is a bit overzealous. Maybe a three is a little more fitting. But I do think the characters are a lot deeper um, than Hayden was kind of portraying them out to be. I think that conceptually they are deeper. Like if you told me, if you just gave me a quick synopsis of who Milo is, I'm going very compelling character. And if you explain it the way that you have Trenton, um, then yes, these are characters I want to hear more about. I want to see more of them, but on the screen that fails to actually be realized. And when we watch a movie, we're not there to conceptualize what the director and the team wanted to do. We are there to see what they did and what they gave us was a number one. (laughs) So I'm, I'm actually not with Hayden on the score. I'm below him. I gave the character a zero. You guys um, are out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but Man. I appreciate the Trent. You did a great job of trying to flesh out and establish these characters. And you raised some good points. But I base my score on a character arc. And I saw no character arc for anybody. It was the... Uh, um, I know last name was Bancroft. Martine Bancroft, she existed yes. to exist. Agent Simon, Tyrese Gibson, existed to exist. Jared Harris's character, Jared Harris is amazing, but Dr. Emil existed to die. <laughs> I just want to point out on his Google casting, it's just Morbius's mentor. He doesn't even have a name if you look up the Morbius <laughs> cast. <laughs> and that's Milo. Milo arguably had the strongest arc of the movie, but it sucked um, because Hayden was talking about the flashbacks and we see that flashback of like Michael Morbius wrote him that letter when he left and then the letter flies out the window down into the hands of the bullies who are just terrible people for kicking this guy on crutches. Um, 
so we see that he's willing to go to violence early but then we're not surprised when he secretly takes the whatever that turns him into this bat and becomes the bad guy you kind of see it early on actually but he had more story than michael who was like hey diseased yeah really smart yeah and i'm gonna stay that way through the whole movie and not change and not be challenged and not he didn't even struggle when he became the vampire he just like okay this is cool next thing and moved on See, so I just think not, they played into subtext with that one a little bit more than they should have. Oh, they played with subtext. I made the note that this movie was written like junior high fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> it was let's go to this cool thing or this thing that we think is going to be compelling and powerful mm-hmm. and then jump to the next thing without explaining anything like let's well, mm. like the bats in the cage. That he was like, oh, it's like a fish tank. Yeah, why? Yeah, why? It's a cool scene, but... Yeah, and then he just happens to find the correct one while he's giving the 15-minute long exposition to Martine at the beginning of the movie about how this could be, and I'm not going to accept... She called it the Nobel Peace Prize. I've always thought it was the Nobel Peace Prize, but... um. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, she called it the Nobel Peace Prize, and I'm like, is this universe different enough that it's the Nobel Prize? Um, but she, he just manages to find the pick the right bat and dissect the right stuff and figure out the right thing in the 15 minutes that she was there, and then we jump to the next thing, and it was just I never had time to connect with the character. I never saw Morbius like truly struggle with what he's done and what he's become and then how he overcame it at the end because it was literally superhero action fly away and credits he didn't even have to learn how to fly no he just did it and he, I know, like, he noticed the waves or the air flow oh, yeah, what part of being having blood <laughs> from a bat in you makes you see air like, yes, I wrote, is he flying on echolocation waves? Because yeah. it was the this same effect. <laughs> it made no sense. But then it shows him fly through the subway tunnels f- for effect, because we never see him like end the flight or where he ends up after that. Um, he flies from the tunnel, escapes Milo. But then at the end of the movie, at the climax, he's jumping across roofs again. He's not flying. And they show him like gliding down like he's falling. And I'm like, is he flying? What is going on? I thought he had this power. I it anyways, that's he's falling with style. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. He's Buzz Lightyearing this. Um, yeah, that's I gave the character a zero. There was nothing for me to latch on to in these characters. See, I left this. And I was like, hmm, let me go read some comics with Morbius in because I want hey, more. <laughs> that is the best thing that you could say about it. That's out of every superhero movie. Like, mm-hmm. I hate to bash on movies. I don't want to do Are that. Are you sure that's all you yes, do? I, <laughs> I know it's what I'm doing, but we I sometimes... bash on the bad ones. Yes. <laughs> but at the end of the day... I want them to make new fans, whether it's a good movie or a bad movie. I want them to make new fans that are going out there and picking up comic books off the stands. You know, I want them to go read those. I want them to read the source material. That's what I hope happens, even out of the bad movies. So we can jump in then to 
music and sound design this is going to be a short one yeah very very short one on the train <laughs> um i'm sorry go ahead it's just there was nothing in it that was notable um and and maybe what i should have done is put this more at like a three because it was average and not bad sound design um but then again, you know, a lot of our scores are done on how memorable is that aspect of the film. And mm-hmm. there was nothing here that I walk away from humming the tune to. And, you know, I am somebody that likes to go and find a score from a movie, throw on that one or two iconic songs from the track and just jam out to it for a week or so and then forget about it for the rest of my life. Morbius didn't make me want to do that. It didn't have a Portals soundtrack like Endgame did or the no man's land scene like wonder woman where the music is just so intense and such a crucial part of any moment is just kind of there. And, you know, I didn't love the, there were a lot of scenes where there was background noise and I think it was him utilizing his echolocation or maybe not so much utilizing it, but it just happening. Um, and I just, I didn't think it was entirely necessary. Like, unless you're going to be very clear about why he is hearing these noises and what these noises are, just don't include them. It just muffles everything else and makes it more confusing to understand, make it very clear as to what is happening so you can keep the viewer engaged because this did not for me. See, and again, I think you're being too um, harsh on this one because, again, I think, yeah, there there was nothing notable music and sound-wise. I think it was a three, a perfectly average thing because a lot of the times when you're having superhero movies like this, you're more likely to have outliers with those soundtracks because that's not the emphasis. Like the your audio and your the sound and the music, they should be adding to the story that's being told because it's more likely in these types of films to that sound is going to take you to the next push because it's a multifaceted like thing that you're going to get an experience out of. Um, so yeah, I don't, I watching the movie, what five hours ago, I don't, couldn't tell you a single song or soundtrack that was used in this, but I don't think that takes away from it just being a perfectly average film. Cause I've got, three dozen movies downstairs and a nightstand that I couldn't tell you a single song that was used in any of them, but that doesn't make the, the score of those films any less better or worse just because I can't remember them at the time. And I think that's a strong thing that needs to be remembered with it being an average of like a three is that, yeah, it's not good. It's not great. It's not perfect, but a one saying, Oh, like it was so like off-putting, like it took me out of the scene. It took me like, it's so contrary to what the scene was trying to display, in my opinion, to say something is like a one when it's just, eh, I feel like it's a bit egregious for a score um, that's going to kind of like tilt it further in a way to continue an argument that just something is so bad. It's not tolerable to watch to any degree. Man, I feel like Trent's just coming after Hayden's scores. <laughs> I kind of figured that would happen with some ones. My thing is, if average is doing what the the music or the sound is supposed to do, what is what it is supposed to do is enhance what you are visually seeing on screen, and it did not enhance anything for me. So, if average would mean that it's enhancing something, and it failed to enhance, 
This was not the little blue pill Trent thinks it is. <laughs> no, no, no. And that's it's a very all... fair argument. And I think yep. it just adds the end of the day, um, which goes into an entirely separate conversation of why I don't like a one to five scoring is because wow, I feel Trent. like it, now he's coming after me. No, no, no. Because I feel like just like in circumstances like this, it limits um, your argument base of like where a score. So like that's why personally I'm a one to ten kind of guy. And um, we, are technically, of we are technically a zero to five. Zero to five, which makes that's it weird because that's six numbers then, which isn't yeah. good math. But anyway, so you, you have three numbers, <laughs> three numbers below average and three numbers above average. So you have terrible, bad, OK, good, great, amazing. And that's the scale. So I scored the music at a two, which is the top of the bad end as far as OK. I thought it was OK. I I agree with both what Hayden and Trent said. I I came at it, which is why I went a two, because it didn't enhance anything. In fact, I forgot it almost 30 seconds after the next scene. I couldn't tell you if there was music in the scene but I didn't find it overly offensive as in like, wow, that was a bad song choice. I was just like, man, I forgot about it. It was there. It didn't increase my enjoyment. It didn't detract from my enjoyment. So it was it got an OK out of me. Fair. Yep. So jumping in to editing and special effects. Hayden's got a surprise for us on this one. Does Hayden? Does he? He must be dealing with something on the other end. <laughs> I was going to say, man, he's oh, really he building is. up this lead hey, time. I am back here. Sorry, <laughs> I never clicked to unmute myself. and I've been talking to nobody. Um, anyways, gave it a one. Uh, but I do promise, I promise the ones are ending soon. The numbers get higher. Um, you know, one of the comments or one of the things we brought up just a second ago in character was the scene where they start flying through the subway tunnel and how there's Morbius is like seeing the way that the wind is moving or that the air is fluctuating. And maybe that is some very specific uh, ability that bats have to be able to feel the airflow like that or register it but it doesn't translate to screen really well, especially in the way that it's edited. Um, the fact that he just gets really smoky and like is a wisp that flies around for me just doesn't work. And that's a bit more direction, I guess, than editing, but the editing of it doesn't look good. It looks like it is sloppy and purely there to hide the fact that they couldn't edit it well. It's like, okay, if we just give it a lot of motion, it'll cover up the fact that we had no clue how to make him look when he flew around. And I think that as well leads to him looking more of like a spiritual based character or that where that's where his powers maybe come from rather than genetics. Um, thought the faces looked okay, but they were just very off putting and not in a, this is creepy spooky way. They just didn't look good. Um, it was like they tried to go too much with the the really sunken in cheeks and the overwhelming texture to the face as the skin is very tight and uh, bumpy and whatnot. I could have gone with he gets really pale and for some reason loses his nose, I guess, as like the only transformation or physical part of the transformation. 
because the rest of it just did not do it for me. Um, Twilight again, did in, it better. Yes. <laughs> okay, and then, sorry, don't know. Again, in the subway scene, when uh, they're about to get arrested, Milo's character attacks the cops. Morbius ducks around the corner and walks away, and then Milo comes after him. Milo's chasing him down as Morbius is, I don't know, seeing all of the wind and learning how to fly. And the way that his hands, Milo, that is, are like the way his hands are curled in, but they're also the vampire hands. So they've got the claws. He's just running at Morbius really awkwardly. And I get he's been this crippled person for most of his life. But I would think he'd seen people run before a little more normally and would know how to do it. And it just looked like the editing didn't take into consideration like, hey, let's let's make this look more natural. It's like, no, that's just where his body was. We're just going to go over that and so be it. So it just kind of felt lazy to me in a lot of ways. I think you defended your one, but we'll let Trent (laughs) we'll let Trent have a shot. So I I did score this a five, but in retrospect, I think I meant to click four and I just didn't click appropriately. I don't think overall the editing and the CGI was as bad Um, because first and foremost, I was actually pleasantly surprised um, by the CGI of this, Um, especially when the seeing their their quick speed and i i genuinely enjoyed the fluctuation showing of the speed differential from where they were to where they're going and physically seeing that the and again i don't know how in the morbius realm of world of existence what is happening in his movement whether he's dematerializing or rematerializing um I didn't care. I just thought it looked cool and it caught me by surprise, uh, which is what took me immediately from just three average to a four. Cause again, I scored it a five. That was a mistake. It should have been a four at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of weird things like uh, he's never seen somebody to run. Well, how many times have you seen some like, Oh, I can do that. And you try to do it yourself. And you're like, Oh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, which I think is kind of more of what we're seeing there in those weird little editing things. I'm like, Oh, why'd he do this? Because I don't, he doesn't have the experience to maybe do it another way. I don't know, uh, but yeah, there's little things like, and I think that subway scene is kind of where we're all going to kind of circle back to because it was a very jarring, what, fifteen minutes of the film that's kind of all over the place for several aspects of our talking points here. But no, I I enjoyed the CGI and the visual of this a lot more than I thought I would. I'm actually with Trent here. I scored it a three. Uh, So I'm not quite as high as he is, but I was not offended by the special effects to this movie. I didn't score it great because I did think the vampire look was a little bit overdone. Matt Smith's sunken cheeks almost look like scars damage instead of just being sunken. Um, And I did not always appreciate the echolocation. Um, There was that specific scene when Martine was like on the rooftop and only she was creating the echo for him to go to. And it reminded me of like, this was a video game um, fetch quest and it, (laughs) it was sending off a homing beacon for him to find because none of the other sounds were creating that same effect. So I had some issues but that's probably more of a direction aspect on 
the director didn't have like the train make a bunch of sound or did the train make so much sound that Morbius was able to fly on the sound waves? I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't super offended by him. I didn't think like the, the CGI background in the very opening was noticeable, but it wasn't offensively bad. Um, yeah, I, I gave it, I thought the special effects were good. I didn't think they were great. Uh, editing, I didn't dive into that one on this because I think it's the script's fault, not necessarily the editor's fault. So the script is where I'm going to have quite a bit to say. So with that out of the way, why don't we jump into script? Let's do it, because this is my final one for this movie. <laughs> um, so, again, a lot of this, I think, comes back to the same stuff we talked about when we hit on story and character earlier. Um, it's just a very, very well played over concept for a story. Um, I'm not going to rehash it. Again, the one thing I will go over, though, is just the copy paste, but make one evil for the hero and the villain of the story just did not do it for me here. And I think that Sony really needs to take some of these films a bit more seriously and give us something new and creative rather than just pumping out boring garbage that's safe um, because it is not doing them any favors or getting people excited about any of the product they're putting out. Um, like I have no desire to see Madam Web because it looks cheap. It, the, from what you can tell in the trailer, it doesn't look like it's a well-written movie. And I have not seen either of the Venom movies to know what Sony has done with any of their other stuff lately. But Morbius just was just fell flat for me. Um, there were aspects that I thought could be made to be really good. You know, I mentioned the, the flashback scenes a lot. Um, and how they could have built on relationships more. I thought that they could have given us a little bit more time to understand Morbius's abilities before we saw him just using them. Uh, although there is part of me that does have an appreciation of we're going to skip the learn how to use your powers montage and just go right into, you know, how to do it. Um, overall, I think that this movie would have been better if we leaned into the fact that Morbius is more often than not a bad guy and made this a dark stalker film almost of him hunting his prey. And maybe there's somebody who tries to become a good version of a vampire and they end up dying in the end and Morbius is still on the run or they do something that just deters him for the time being rather than having your good guy win in the end. But uh, yeah, just not a huge fan. I will say the boat scene right after Mobius changes, I did think they were going to go for that kind of villain side of him. And I was disappointed. Yeah, I felt like they were hesitant to lean into it. And they maybe almost started with the movie like that. Um, and then decided... Uh, no, we want to we want to make sure that we could, if we'd like down the line, be able to market, you know, Morbius action figures alongside Spider-Man as the good guy and not have another villain. We've got to worry about him defeating. Yeah, see, I am again here at a three on this one, because I think as 
I will shit on the script because it's not as great as it could have been. Uh, we've touched on the fact how much it kind of jumps around and how it's skipping a lot. It's not as fleshed out as it should be. Um, and there definitely could have been better, which is why I've got it at a three. But I think a very important thing to kind of note here is with how much of the movie uses subtext is it kind of goes back into what Stan Lee says about when he does uh, his comic mashups when he's like, Oh, V or X versus Y. He never chose a winner because he wanted it left up to the audience, us to be able to debate what they're capable of, who would win in those types of fights and what is going to come from those types of encounters. With that being said though, the script I think was just, it was an S script. It had a good backbone to become something, which I think Sony gets the short end of the stick a lot because I think overall people are just unhappy that Sony has rights to the Spider-Man universe, uh, which of course nobody likes. But you got to go back to Marvel being mess or losing all that money in the '90s, um, and it was the only way that we have what we have today was all of those shares being sold off and all those rights being sold off. I don't think the Sony verse is as bad as everybody makes it sound, and it isn't given enough credit for the potential it can become. Overall, I think Morbius, if we got this film after we got him in whatever Sinister Six world that um, Adrian Toomes is trying to put together, uh, I think Morbius would have been more well-received if we would have got more information about Morbius's character in a secondary position after we've already seen him on the big screen. With that being said, though, a lot of the writing kind of annoyed me, like the fact like I am Venom, like there was the dumbest thing to say just for you to for you to connect that this is connected to Venom. We are aware of that. You don't have to be a massive comic book nerd to understand that Morbius and Venom are in this same universe. And I think it was the same thing because I think Venom says it also um, in the Venom film when he says, you wouldn't like to see me when I'm hungry. I think that was still just another nod. And those two lines were just so jarring. Like it's, it's corny. Nobody likes to see those because it wasn't funny corny. It was just poor writing corny yes. which yes. i think is the big thing that this film really struggled with was trying to connect something that we already knew was there we don't need our hands held at this point with any level of a cinematic universe because if you have questions it's 2024 google is there you have <laughs> the capabilities of oh i miss this because at this point who doesn't leave any marvel film I'm like oh what does this mean what did this connect to because that's the point of it with this being a shared universe they're gonna have easter eggs there's gonna have things that you're gonna have to research and do a deeper dive on don't hold our hand don't spoon feed us so we could get more out of this experience without you feeling like you have to I don't think it's a good thing to uh, what's the phrase when you have to play to your weakest audience or whatever. That's not the phrase, but um, downplay it. I guess downplay it to the degree or whatever that teaching term is where you have to teach to the lowest pupil. Um, I don't think that's something that really needs to be done in these shared films. Like I think Sony's got potential Venom one and two. I thought we're good for Venom. I thought was a good film. Venom two definitely needed work, but I think Craven. I think it's going to be a fun time. I think Madam Web is going to get a lot of hate because it's going to be a strong female cast. Uh, but I I'm think looking it's going to more be- forward to Craven than I am Madam Web. 
but oh, and I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. But I think what Sony is doing has the capabilities of becoming something, but the audience really has to step back and give them a chance to turn it into something and quit crucifying things to a degree that they're going to not have a chance to make something happen by steamrolling these negative reviews and butchering any chance of a future. If they would listen to the fans at all and yeah. make any yes, changes, 100% agree. that is the biggest issue. Like we live in an age where, you know, people were able to complain about Sonic the Hedgehog looking horrendous enough. And it wasn't even that long. Like it was not a very long period of internet discourse. And no. they went in and they redid him entirely. Like which we live justifiable because he was bad. <laughs> yeah. Strongly and like, but, I mean, in the era we're in, like studios should be listening to people. And yes, they are going to listen when money is involved. And if people yes. keep paying to see this, then they'll do it. But I, I think that, you know, the people were able to get back at Sony a little bit with Morbius when they fooled them into thinking that everybody wanted a second release and it came back to theaters just for folks to laugh it out a second time. I think that's just um, how yeah. strong an emphasis of Sony doesn't have its finger on the pulse. Well, yes. I also think Sony has missed a couple golden opportunities. I I don't disagree with what Trent, what you've said. I do think Sony has a lot of potential. They have the entire Spider-Man sandbox to play in, and he's got some of the best villains, some of the best stories. They have so much they could use. But they missed a golden opportunity following uh, No Way Home when they had both of their Spider-Man back and Mm -hmm. the fans were going nuts. And the biggest problem the Sony universe has right now is no Spider-Man in these Spider-Man stories. Mm -hmm. And I think what the fans want... I don't want to see Adrian Toomes show up at the end of Morbius. I want to know who Spider-Man is and where he's been. Yeah, I want to see Toby Maguire. We don't know contractually what's allowed. No, we don't. But I I think that's the biggest issue is like we want these things, but there's going to be so much legal jargon going over with this character and with this universe. We don't know what's allowed. And I think that's the most frustrating thing is that we don't know what we're going to get because I don't think they know. I think they're writing scripts and then Marvel's coming back like, no, 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 you can't do this. You can do this. And so that here, is wrong here, that they're just the thing throwing things at a wall to get it to stick. Yes. And I think they, they just have to understand like, no, take your time with this. There are so many cool characters. Yes. Don't try to make every villain that people know of a good guy so you yep. can market them as your superhero. Yeah. Pick, you know, say, hey, uh, we've got Tobey Maguire back as Spider-Man in this. And you don't even have to have him as Spidey. Simply have him see, you know, Morbius fly through downtown at the end and he looks up with a camera and yeah, takes a picture and he pulls it down and you see him go and grab the shirt and he just yanks the shirt open. But you only see him from behind. You never have to show a Spidey suit. You never say that that character is Peter Parker. You avoid all legal issues right there. But you give the fans something to get excited for. But we well, don't even have to show a casting. Just give us Peter to a degree because yeah. you're right. You have a camera. You have him in a degree taking a photo. Again, you don't need spoon fed to know that's who that character is supposed to be without even seeing a face. Yep. And I think what I really hoped would happen. And like you said, I don't know what is allowed legally. I don't know if Sony is not allowed to do a Spider-Man movie right now with the word Spider-Man. 
I don't know if they're not allowed to use Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but if I look at what is being built on the Sony side, all those villains are older and they missed the opportunity. The internet was screaming for Amazing Spider-Man 3 with Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew Garfield. I loved his Spider-Man. The movies weren't great, but I thought he was the best like costume Spider-Man in the costume. He was the best. Um, But I thought that Tobey Maguire kind of captured the Peter Parker side of it. Great. And the New York side of it. Amazing. And I think you also have tremendous storylines in the comic books of most recently, it's been called uh, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, where he and MJ are married and they have a kid. And you can jump in right now and tell that story on screen with Tobey Maguire at his age. And you can tell a compelling story that's going to bring fans back in. But yeah, I, I think Sony has a lot of potential, but they got to figure this out if they're going to succeed. Because I think Morbius was a misfire. So if I go into my script, uh, first things I want to point out, the script was written by Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless, which if those names are familiar to you, it's for a good reason. They wrote such hits as Dracula Untold. Which was fun. I enjoyed that film greatly. (laughs) Still (laughs) angry we didn't get a monsters verse. The Last Witch Hunter with Vin Diesel. That was garbage anyways. Gods of Egypt with Gerard Butler. (laughs) That's racist (laughs) to another degree anyways. They wrote... Power Rangers from 2017. I don't understand why that's so oh, shit. I can't wait till we come back to that one. <laughs> so they're known for those. That's literally. And then they wrote a couple episodes of the Lost in Space TV show. That's literally their writing credits right now. So I haven't enjoyed any of those movies. If I'm honest. Um, you don't enjoy anything. My notes. I do. I do. Trent. <laughs> so I hear my notes. I'm just going to read through those because we took a lot of time talking about Sony. Um in the script look at the freaks scene as the kids are standing outside looking at the windows but there was nobody sitting in those windows both of those kids were in their bed (laughs) um it was just painfully timed painfully placed to show to prove a point um things are known and understood as if the characters are watching the events of the movie unfold before the next scene they will just show up and know what happened or show up and say the right thing. It was, it was painful at times. I looked at my wife and I was like, how did they know that they just got there? And there was a scene when Martine was in the hospital bed and she's talking about eating crappy jello out of a jello cup. It wasn't even like hospital made. It was a jello cup, Um, but she's eating crappy jello And the next scene we see her, she's fully dressed, running somewhere. When you can run with a concussion. I'm like, (laughs) only under proper supervision. I know that because I just redid my concussion training protocols. Morbius is a doctor. He was watching her. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just like, where did this happen? Um, Then... The scene when he is being interrogated and he uses that terrible hunger line, but he's like getting hungry and it's transforming him. 
and then they're like all right you know what we're done with this interrogation we're gonna put you back in the cell and once he's in the cell guess what's gone his hunger. hunger he's not hungry anymore there's no transitioning happening he's not struggling with being hungry anymore he's fine it's the next only, scene he's moved only on until milo brings him his capri sun meal replacement does yeah. he like start to do anything it's just they forgot about it and it's like no let him go crazy on these cops so they see what's happening and then maybe they become sympathetic to who our protagonist is but nope he's just a bad guy yeah and then you mentioned the scene where the police officer like dodges his punches or counters. Yeah. I wrote the note. I said, when the police officer questions him, not a single punch is actually shown landing. It's all quick cuts and the smoky effect. And a random officer who wasn't present opens fire unprovoked as he <laughs> accelerates up this center of the building which does make me question like at what point does this part of the world recognize superhumans exist that they're just like i'm not going to question what i just witnessed i'm going to shoot it yeah i'm no, just going to shoot cop, it so that just tracks never mind okay. keep going okay and then the more offensive part of all of this is tyrese gibson's character shows up next to that police officer as morbius is scaling the inside of the building towards the skylight he shows up next to him and is like, stop shooting. And then we cut to Morbius on the roof. And then he's on the roof. We think he's escaped. Cut again. Tyrese is there. Is Tyrese also a superhuman that he just went up approximately 15 flights of stairs or got an elevator in the same amount of time that it took Morbius to cross the roof? OK, so I can there? I can answer this for you with a quick Google search because I was now curious. Simon Stroud was a CIA agent turned special investigator who often seeks out monsters from Manwolf to Morbius. And he never gives up his hunt. So I think he's where, just a CIA trained to a degree. Where was of, that way more exciting movie in place yes. of Morbius? And again, that's what I'm saying. I think there's <laughs> so much potential for great film and great characters that it's just not getting fleshed out. Like, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And I think that's where Sony has dropped the ball. My I have to point out my last script moment that I just found horribly derivative and painful. Um, he defeats Milo by being Aquaman for bats. which I did not know that was a power of Morbius's, but the <laughs> direction on this, he is hanging upside down. Wow. A little on the nose there, hanging upside down from some random underground pipe. And he just sends out his echolocation to call on all the bats in the area and swarm Milo. And I was Which, like, in their defense, they did precursor that by saying the bats will kill anybody other than him. Where did they figure that out? Where was the study into that? So, again, you're, I, I don't disagree with that part, but that is something they did touch on is a capability of his power. So I will give them credit that they did caveat that while not well, it was stated previously. OK, OK. I just wrote down. Apparently, he talks to bats like Aquaman talks to fish. <laughs> and <laughs> that's just got to be a power that dies like in the modern age. It just doesn't doesn't hit the same way of just. You know, Spider-Man, is he going to start talking with spiders now? Yeah. Like, Wait, we, man we don't need it. And he doesn't really, unless, you know, Michael Douglas pops up in the costume for a hot <laughs> second. Like, Scott Lang just forgets about that part of his, you know, 
hero abilities. So, so I actually, pretty- I it, I actually enjoyed in Aquaman two. I know a lot of people hated that movie. They use that power. So like, there's a sonar weapon that was developed, and they're using it to target whatever. And Aquaman uses his ability to talk to fish to call whales to come and set off the sonic like discrepancies and basically neutralize that weapon. And I was like, oh, that was actually kind of a clever use of being able to talk to animals in a movie. It wasn't like, hey, I'm calling in the cavalry of killer whales. It was like, hey, whales talk to each other in underwater sonic frequencies. Let's use those frequencies to actually counter something. I was like, oh, that was clever. But yeah, calling on the bats to swarm Milo didn't didn't really do it for me because Milo really handled it or handed it to Morbius throughout that final fight. See, I think well, that also just he's got plays. the same powers. Like you yeah. can't using your powers against somebody else and saying that they're going to like you win. It just that's hard for me to imagine that. You know, Morbius, a vampire, would be injured by another vampire or vice versa for Milo. Same way, you know, I don't think Iron Man's suit would be weak to the same attacks from another Iron Man suit. It just it doesn't make sense when you're watching it that that is how it should go at any point. Yep. I I think Morbius should have just been more werewolf by night in the sense of because, as you mentioned previously, make it more of a horror film yes and then things like that bat scene would be much more terrifying if it was such a dark gritty film he's lurching in the dark he's hunting prey and to have them them bats come out of nowhere that'd be fucking terrifying for anybody to win milo's point of view in that situation so the audience can feel claustrophobic and anxiety through the roof just like john snow getting trampled in the battle of the bastards and not knowing if he's going to get make it out or if he's going to die underneath a hundred other bodies like i do think they missed the target they missed the target in not letting this be an r-rated film yeah i I don't often say that but i think you're dealing with a horror-based character who drains blood um i'm also going to go back on script for that when they're in the boat and he is doing these slashing attacks as he passes people it was probably the strongest scene in the film but Afterwards, the police are like, all the bodies were drained of blood. And I was like, I saw him watch that guy's. I saw him like slash that guy across the throat. How did he drain the blood? He wasn't there for more than a quarter of a second. See, I just so that, assumed that one at the end of it, he succumbed to the hunger because you he think and when, it all up. I mean, when Martine cut her finger, you saw him have a reaction. So if he just turned and he's got eight dead bodies bleeding out, I could only assume, and again, this just kind of goes back to them playing too much into subtext, that there's no way he could fight that urge and had to feed. That it, That's fair. That's fair. He, he took them all out, and then he came back and slurped it up. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. So jumping into the acting, 
there are really only two characters in this film, but mm-hmm. <laughs> how was the acting? I gave it a two. Jesus. I, got I know, right? It's not Isn't a one. Impressive? It's not a one. So, again, um, I said this earlier after Trent had uh, just rambled on and on saying something, <laughs> something Morbius is a good movie. I don't remember. Um, but I think that on paper and conceptually, the characters that they talked about or that we have talked about would be great in a movie called Morbius about a living vampire. However, we didn't really get to see those characters truly be what they were. And I think uh, for me, the acting part that failed was that there were very few strong character relationships. I thought that Agent Shroud and Agent Rodriguez had a stronger relationship and bond than Milo and Michael did at any point in the movie. I agree that. Milo and uh, oh, uh, what's her name again? I Martine. keep forgetting it. Martine. Um, She's the only that, female listed in the cast. Yeah, and like the fact that the two of them didn't have a believable relationship. I maybe that was direction. Maybe it was script. Maybe it was that there wasn't any on-screen chemistry. Because how could you have chemistry with Jared Leto? Um, <laughs> but what do you just, mean? He's a cult leader. Everybody has chemistry yeah. with him, don't you know? Let me tell you, I had chemistry with him when he was with 30 Seconds to Mars. Anyways, (laughs) the emo kid in me love that man. Yeah, I do agree. Looking back at some of those music videos, it is hard to not let your heart skip a beat. Um, I had to watch The Kill again after this. but (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just I think that there were a lot of points. And, you know, I don't love what I've seen Leto in. But I I have this feeling that there is so much more to him as an actor with his ability that we have yet to see. And I don't know if we'll ever see it because of his track record now. But I feel like he's just not giving it his all on screen every time. And I know that Matt Smith can give more than he did. And they, you know, he was restricted to a point with the script. But I just think that it was phoned in for a lot and the acting really, really suffered. I think that out of all of the characters, all six that we really see agent Rodriguez was the most enjoyable character to watch because he was serious when he needed to be was lighthearted, played the role of like a buddy cop duo very, very well in a movie that was overall pretty bland. Um, And you could see emotion on his face in different scenes when he's scared that Morbius is sitting across from him transforming. Like, you can tell he doesn't like that throughout the movie. There was something there. But everybody else just... That's why I give it a two for Agent Rodriguez. I I think... Okay. Yeah. See, I actually gave character a four, and I got to give Matt Smith his flowers for this one. I I thought he stole the show. I 100%. I think Milo was a very, very fun character. It does go back to I'm tired of liking these villains, but I think what Matt Smith was able to portray, again, with subtext, um, he went from a child who was bullied and broken and had no chance at a life to now having everything he could ever want with everything that he had already attained himself. And you see these childlike moments when he's dancing, like he looks so dorky and out of place. And I think that's so fitting for a character like Milo that 
I think it kind of took it over. And Jared Leto, I'm not a fan of as a person, um, but I do think Jared Leto has potential as an actor because in like House of Gucci, I had zero idea he played Paolo Gucci. Like I left the theater and Sky had to tell me that's who he was. I was like, where the fuck was Jared Leto in this movie? And she's like, that was Paolo. I was like, what? Because again, (laughs) unfortunately though, for Jared Leto, when you hear him name as an actor, you go to that immediate terrible Joker and now a less than great Morbius. But I I don't want to fault him too much. I think that one really falls to the writing and the direction. But now I will have to say, I agree. I think the best character overall was Agent Rodriguez. I left that and I was like, I want more Agent Rodriguez. And what I want is Simon Stroud, Agent Rodriguez, buddy cop film, but really fall into that dark horror of Stroud being a monster hunter. Give it that ambiance of werewolf or um, what werewolf by midnight. Werewolf by night. Werewolf by Night. Thank you. So, so um, we're looking at an X Files in Spider Man's New York. I'm down. See, and that's what I'm saying. There's so much potential <laughs> there. there, and with and you could go a lot darker and have Agent Rodriguez be your comedic relief to lighten mm-hmm. that up, so you can still make it like even if you're gonna. Because let's be honest, at this point, they're gonna make it PG-13. Um, yeah. You can still go a little bit. If they would, they could go a little bit hard hitting with those darker tones, but still make it a older family program by giving you that buddy cop feeling. As much as I don't like Tyrese Gibson as an actor, I think the two of them could contrast each other enough that you could get a good potential show out of something like that. And again, giving us more to see in a side of the MCU that we don't see of these supernatural beings that I personally want more of. Yeah, I I've thought that like um, I've thought that with like Batman, I think he has such a great Gotham City is so great. Just put a police detective show in there dealing with the uh, crime. And that's kind of what Gotham was supposed to be. But then it got too wrapped up in everything else. But yeah, I think. Yeah, I gave the acting a three. I thought they were good. I didn't think any of the acting was particularly bad considering what they had to work with. Um, I do think Matt Smith stole the show. He was far better than Jared. But I actually I think Jared has a lot of potential. I don't think he's been given good parts. I also haven't seen any of his serious roles, so I can't with serious as in not comic book based roles. Um, So I can't really base what I know of his acting on that. But I just know this movie, it didn't hit, but I thought he was trying until the end. And then I thought it was just rough. Um, But yeah, I, I will say where it really hurt for me was that they try to establish this friendship throughout the first two thirds of the film. And I, I put in my notes that I was waiting for, uh, I was waiting for Matt and Jared to kiss like their chemistry. <laughs> like they were so close. I was waiting for full fledged, like, Hey, Michael Morbius and Milo were in love. And I was like, Oh, okay. Because that's how it was being played. But then like Milo dies and Morbius just flies away and it had zero emotional impact. And ultimately that at the end, what we're left with at that conclusion is that their friendship wasn't that deep. And then going back, I'm like, you know what? I didn't really feel it either. So that 
I think that does come somewhat from the directing. It also, again, referenced to that script, but I felt no connection between the two. So I, other than I said, I thought they were going to kiss, but just the ultimate fallout of the film had no emotional outcome on Morbius. So the acting three, I just thought it was good. And to direction. Based off what you just said there, you know how I saved that ending. You give us one more flashback of Morbius and Milo as teenagers. They were they were in love with each other and Morbius leaves because as he's looking down on Milo, he no longer sees the man he loved. See, that's how you save that. Yeah, I could and then save he flies that scene off by into one the additional. Sky. I could, yeah, <laughs> I could save that with one additional cutscene of just having them being level. We one we get that clip. He takes off into the sky, and you zoom in on his eye, and you just see a single tear fall. <laughs> and then we get Morbius Twilight Two <laughs> as the sequel. So <laughs> on to the direction. <sighs> Oh, I am back with another two on direction. <laughs> um, and truthfully, I uh, am kind of wondering why I didn't just give this a one as well, only because of how much I have cited direction as a, a secondary reason for giving the other scores such low uh, point values. You know, I think that there were some tidbits there and flashes of they were getting it. You know, we talked about the the scene on the boat where it feels like for a moment they're going to lean into that horror element of it, and then they don't. Um, some cool aspects in the movie um, or scenes that, you know, just look fun um, that are there just to be cool, but don't do enough, I think, to pull the rest of the film up overall. Uh, I think it was a huge huge disservice to the film to have such a small cast and really rely on two people to carry the entire movie. This was not a compelling enough story. Um, whether you're pulling just the content or the, the source material or you're pulling from what they did in the movie, I don't think there's enough there to do just a Morbius standalone film. You need more in there. Um, you do need a little bit more fan service in something like this to get people excited about how it connects to something bigger picture. And that comes back, you know, to our teasing of a Peter Parker or maybe let's see some more Spider-Man villains or something about Spider-Man referenced in this. Sony has had no problem playing up how big they are doing the animated Spider-Verse side of things. Take that passion and put it into this movie. Um and they just didn't from the top down. And I think that that falls on the director for not finding ways to add those engaging elements in to keep people really locked on and hooked into this story. So give it a two could probably come down a little bit, but I don't feel like being that negative in this moment. Um, and from here on out, I think it kind of, well, it goes up and then it comes back down for me. But. <laughs> See, I actually gave direction a three, but after this conversation, I realized no, it shouldn't have been a three. Um, I think it should have been if a two. You say it should have been a four. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> after our conversation together, I think it definitely should have been lower. And I'm not going to entirely blame the director because again, you can only do so much. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's a bad as a one, but I do think direction should drop as a two. And I really don't think I need to reiterate everything that we've pointed out for just I. Overall, I enjoyed the film, and we'll get back to that later. Um, 
but no, like I like I said, the there was backbone here, but they made it a vampire and didn't flesh it out. There's no meat on the bone. It's Ooh. they it's sunken as as a story. It's sunken face as a whole for like the direction. Um, there was just so much potential. There's so much could have done, and they just didn't do it. And again, I feel like that's more of their hands being tied. Um, but yeah, I, I got to drop my score because I don't think it's a three. I think it's a two. Okay. I am also a two. I wrote that it was filmed like an early 2000s horror movie or like an early 2000s superhero movie. And then we haven't made any progress in filmmaking since <laughs> then. Um like the scenes in the hospitals, it's it's one of those movies where the hospitals have hallways like caves where there's nobody in there. The lights are off. And I'm always wondering. I've never been in a hospital as dark as I see in these movies. Or um, as quiet and empty. Or as quiet. Yeah. Why is it absolutely desolate in the middle yes. of the night? There are still patients that need to be checked on, lab work that needs to be done. Like there are yeah. jobs to do. The it, sun that is just a poor attempt at trying to build suspense when you've done nothing else to build suspense throughout your movie. Yes, it's awful. I it's one of those like horror movie cliches that I hate. Even if we go to Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill, where she walks down the hallway in a nurse's uniform, eye patch on her eye, whistling with a syringe to kill in her pocket. That hospital is brightly lit and she's passing gurneys and other nurses and beautiful. And that ramps up the tension so much more than an empty hallway. Um, but yeah, I wrote that it was like an early 2000s film. And I just like there are a lot of scenes that it it comes down to the script and the director and the director dropped the ball. Um, yeah, I was not a fan of it. I often thought that it was like a TNT original movie from 1998. <laughs> it like there was no character, no flair. It did not do it for me. And if one of my pet peeves, and I know, I know I have defended Zack Snyder in the past, but one of my pet peeves is slow-mo that doesn't show us anything cool. <laughs> and this movie, like they would puff into the cloud and then like they were over the escalators and then pause, like slow down. And there's nothing to look at. It's just a frozen cloud over these escalators. And then it speeds up again. Yeah, like, don't give us they don't need the special effect then of floating around. If you're going to show a slow-mo, just show them fighting at normal human speed yeah, for a moment. It, it's poor like maybe they build in. They start out slow and they build into this fast pace and then it becomes a blur and they're just wrapped up in each other because it's so visceral. But yeah. it's not just we're going to pause here and like. Ooh, look at Morbius's weird face and look at other Morbius's weird face. Ooh, and then back to it. Yeah. So I was no fan of the direction. I went so far. I probably would have gotten one, but I said the direction was okay. It didn't really fumble. No, it fumbled. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll just, I'll just stick with, I'll stick with a two for now. I'll stick with the two. We can dive into the it factor and its cultural significance. So I gave this a four because of Whoa. that. Exactly. The, the cultural significance. Um, this movie was not good. Um, not a very strong movie. There's nothing in it that I've walked away from feeling memorable. 
um, or that like I may want to be pulled back to to watch this again. However, there was a an extended period of time throughout 2022 and into 23 where it's Morbin time was one of the most popular memes and running <laughs> jokes online. Yes, it was. Talking about how amazing Morbius the movie was. And, you know, part of that was it was almost an anti-social media campaign started by the people to get back at Sony for putting something like this out. But there was something so compelling about this movie that people gravitated towards it as a cult classic almost instantly. And there is a lot to be said about that, especially having seen it myself now and understanding the movie better. I don't know where that com- the hype comes from or where the meme ability comes from. I just think it was not <laughs> fun to watch. But the fact that it had that effect on so many people makes this a very culturally relevant film. I also think like Sony PR didn't see the movie and had no idea that it's Morbin time was not actually in the film. So they <laughs> they just thought this was all great press. This was wonderful. Not realizing that they were mocking the movie. See, I pulled a Hayden and I gave uh, the it factor a two. Um, basically for all of those reasons, but opposite um, because at the end of the day, significance and cultural significance just because the internet pulled a funny goof i don't think makes and i guess i think this is perspective on how people are going to view that rating is i don't take that as something that truly dictates the film itself i think it's some it's a connotation associated with the film but at the end of the day the movie didn't push any level of an agenda or culture or anything memorable outside of a meme that stemmed from people mocking a film, which I think are two separate things. Um, And I just, as a whole, the movie just wasn't it period. I think that that was fair. I also, I gave it a four because it was all over the internet. Um, And that's why I gave it a four and not a five. Uh, We kind of, established like the gold standard of five culturally would be like barbenheimer and the mummy with its countless sequels and spinoffs and animated tv shows and all of that like those would be fives on it factor this one it was memed it was tiktoked it was out there Everybody knew about this movie, but nobody saw this movie. And that's where I kind of like I totally get where you coming from, Trent, because two says it fails to deliver and this movie fails to deliver. But I chose four because it was culturally significant as kind of like this beacon of not listening to the fans. And so the fans are holding it up to make fun of you. Like, yeah, this movie sucks. It's Mormon time. Um yeah, so I gave it a four. So we can jump in. How entertained were you? Two. <laughs> I watched this movie earlier today, started at about 2.30. Um, I was already falling asleep about three o'clock and didn't miss much. I mean, I was dozing in and out, and then one of the kids came in and woke me up and was watching it from there. But, you know, 
we live in an age where it is hard to not want to just be constantly consuming multiple types of media at a time. So, you know, I'm on my phone a lot while I'm watching TV or maybe checking it periodically during most other movies. But for the most part, I'm engaged with it. I had to really fight to keep putting my phone down throughout this movie so that I would pay attention to what was going on. So I had at least something to talk about when we all got together. There was so little about it that engaged me. And I think part of that comes from just the boring look of the movie. Everything is very dark. There's not really, there's nothing bright enough in it to make you feel like you get to know these characters. It's just kind of grimy and rough. Um, It somehow takes place all in one night, but over multiple days. mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, it never feels like they leave the cave that they start the movie in. And I just, I don't know. I, there wasn't much entertainment for me. So I'm giving it a two in that regard. And uh, as I'm on the show, more people are going to realize I am much more generous than my two co-hosts here are because why I'm uh, so happy to have you. uh, I gave it a seven. Like I said, I have I'm very vocal about the faults in this film. I'm not going to sit here and act like the movie is better than it is. Um, But I think in an entertainment value, it delivered. I wasn't I particularly wasn't bored. Um, I too succumbed to needing to do multiple things, but that's more ADHD than anything. But I found myself more focused on the film than anything else I was doing because, again, visually, the CGI captivated me. I enjoyed looking into the subtext because it made me feel more like it was a comic book because I knew coming into this conversation that we were going to have so many disagreements and now I could pinpoint the things. I'm like, Ooh, I know I'm going to like this. They're both going to hate this. And I know this is going to be a thing that we can talk about because again, it goes back to what comics were and how they were written of when you have those character V characters, so much is left up to interpretation. And that's kind of what Morbius is. And I think it's really the Sony verse as its whole is I think it's something that is going to be debated. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And it's such a polarizing thing, which I think is what makes Morbius a selling point is I know I'm probably a one man show on this island talking about how the film wasn't as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Um, but I mean, if it's on, yes. I'm not going to be like, oh, yes, you fuck are. you, turn this shit off right now. Uh, I'll, I'd watch it again. I'm not going to sit through if I'm just talking about, oh, let's go through and rank everything that the MCU as a whole has to offer. I'm not going to be like, oh, fuck, I got to watch Morbius. And we're like, all right, I haven't seen that. I mean, I'll watch this again. So I actually had the thought while I was watching this film, um, like Hayden said, I too struggled. I usually like to put my phone down. I actually get mad if I'm watching a movie with people and they're on their phone because put that phone down and watch a movie. Um, If you can't separate yourself from social media for two hours, you need a therapist. Um, But I too was like, oh, when they're doing that long exposition, Martine and Michael, and they're just in the lab and they're talking about all of his research as if she just met him and they've never talked about it before, and we're getting all this exposition on everything we need to know to understand what's happening. I was like, wow, this is heavy-handed and clumsy, and this movie is worse than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> and I that's, that's where I ended up. I knew it was not well-liked. I knew it was kind of 
like bad i knew it was bad we went into this like hey let's pick one of the razzy contenders and this movie was a razzy contender which if you're not familiar with the razzies the razzies are the opposite of the academy awards this is the awards for the worst films of the year um so i simply googled the razzies for worst film of the year this showed up i was like hey let's watch it that could be fun because i didn't expect it to be as bad as it was i i scored it a three i have no desire to ever see this again um and i'm one of the few that i did not enjoy the first venom movie either i feel like they both followed very similar beats i thought where venom had a great cast like venom was great i just thought the movie felt too short and clumsy this one i thought was a total misfire across the board um yeah i i gave it a three out of ten on entertainment factor i will not be watching this one again anytime soon and in fact if it just happens to be on tv which i don't know why it would with streaming now um i'm gonna go to tubi and watch a free 80s horror movie that is more entertaining (laughs) than this So our final scores then, leading it to Trent likes to give me a hard time for my scores out of 50. Um, If you're just joining us for season two, episode one, the way this works, we've broken it down into multiple categories. We started with story, character, music, editing, script, acting, and direction, it factor. So that is seven, if I'm doing my math, that's eight categories scored out of five. We have our entertainment value scored out of 10. That gives us a score of 50. So you can then take that. If you scored 40 out of 50, that is the same as 4 out of 5 stars or 8 out of 10 or however you want to break that down. It's more breaking the movie down into different categories and seeing why or why not we feel a certain way about the film. So with that said, Hayden, what was your final score? Um, my final score was a 15. So that would qualify this movie in uh, my responses as terrible. And I think that is a very accurate representation <laughs> of what I watched. <laughs> Technically, I ended up at a 34 when I scored it. But after our conversation, I think I dropped it to a 32 in total, which, which brings is still it to the a, same, which is still the same, uh, which yep. I think it, per our uh, breakdown here, which makes it a good film, um, which to me is a 60s, which I think is it's an average film. Again, I didn't absolutely love it. I don't think it deserves the hate that it receives. Um, I think you're like, ah, oh, it's a movie. I think Morbius is the perfect definition of, yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> That's the best you can say about it. It's, it, it works, though. People are going <laughs> to know what you mean by saying, yeah, it's a movie. It's- <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is a film. Um I gave it my final score was a 20 out of 50. So two out of five stars. Uh, That puts it also in the terrible category. And I have to it's a contender for a terrible film. I would be hard pressed to. Well, no, Matt Smith did a great job in this film. I said something positive about it. I don't genuinely don't like negativity so much trent will give me a hard time thinking i do um because i want to celebrate only negativity in any (laughs) film (laughs) i want to celebrate movies i'm here to talk about things that i love in movies 
Uh, it was my idea to pick one of the worst ones of the previous years, according to the internet. And it's just one of those ones that like, I love a movie that's so bad. It's good. This movie does. Yeah, exactly. This movie does not qualify for it. So bad. It's good. It's terrible for me. No, no, I'm not going to lie. At the end of the day, I'm excited to do more of these because I get to argue with you guys further um, and determine how much of the generous individual I am, because every I don't know if we've ever scored a film together that I'm not the one on the higher end of any rating. Compared to YouTube. <laughs> we never got around to talking about the Haunted Mansion like we wanted to, <laughs> but, Ooh, I, but I, I, I saw one. those scores. Um I believe I texted that you scored it higher than Oppenheimer. <laughs> I haven't seen that one oh, yet, I though, so I can't compare. <clears throat> uh, yes, I'm excited to have you, too. We're going to be rotating who is guesting with us. Bryce has stepped away for the time being. He might be a guest every now and then. We'll see how his schedule opens up for that. But it's going to be rotating with Hayden, rotating with Trent. I have some other guests lined up for you, some people you might recognize from the nightclub podcasts are going to join us um but yeah so excited to have you two with us for the season premiere and looking forward to talking more movies as we go into the year yeah no i'm looking forward to it i know uh you and i've already got one lined up that we need to schedule a time to get recorded um oh yeah one that i mean if it hadn't come out at the tail end of 2023 i'd be saying it's 2024's number one film um so I mean, so far, yeah. which I mean, we're 14 days into it, but that's not <laughs> saying a ton. However, ask me again on December 31st, 2024, and I will still give you the same answer, probably, unless we, something changes we, my mind. We have some positive things to say about that one, Trent. Yes. So, uh, so if you now you I need to go watch it to see if you guys yeah. are right or wrong. Yeah. So uh, with that said, we're going to try to keep this every other week. So. Every two weeks, tune in on Monday for a new episode. Uh, if you watch a movie, you want to submit a score, go to the link tree on our Instagram and you will see a link to the podcast through there. You'll see a link to submit your own movie reviews. Ultimately, the average is about fans of movies. And so we want to hear from everybody. If you watched a movie and you thought something totally different, Send us a score. Send us why you thought that. And it's going to change the alt the outcome of our review when we talk about it on this. So send us suggestions. Interact with us on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, guys, for joining. We will see you in two weeks. <laughs>